that is held in self-directed IRAs, private equity as well. Uh, so investing in any sort of private company or even a partnership or a joint venture, an LLC, um, that, is, that would be considered private equity, private stock as well. Um, lending is another big one that can either fall into the real estate sphere or can just be general private lending for any purpose. Um, so IRAs can actually lend uh, money out to individuals and companies as well. What a year 2020 was. 2021 is here and I hope you're hitting the ground running. I know we are here at Dwelling. We've just got a deal on the contract. We're going to be closing on soon. For those that have joined us on that deal, um, you know what I'm talking about. If you are saying, what am I talking about? Then you need to take your investing game to the next level in this year. So make sure you join the Dwelling deal list, an exclusive deal list. Um, not only do you get access to our deals, quickly but you also get tips and tricks about you know how you can take your, your investing game to the next level this year so if you are not on the dwelling deal list click on the link in the show notes or just go to dwelling.com um, that's d-w-e-l-l-y-n-n.com or just go to investwithola.com and just sign up sign up sign up sign up Thank you so much for joining us on The Dwelling Show. I'm your host, Ola Dantes. I've got the amazing and incredible Brittany Murphy with us. Hey, Brittany, how are you doing? Hey, Ola. Doing well. How are you? Thanks for having me. No, doing fantastic. I'm so glad you're on the show. It's been a long time. We've been trying to make this happen. So finally, really excited to have you on the show. Um, so let's jump right into it. Just tell okay. our listeners a little bit more about who Brittany is, um, kind of what you've been doing and what you've been doing lately, actually. Sure. Um, so I am based out here on East Coast in New Jersey. Um, a little chilly today. Um, hope everybody's keeping safe. It's been a crazy year. Um, so we are uh, pretty much remote right now, but um, I've been with Next Generation for a little over three years in the financial services space. Um, and prior to that, I've always had a background in marketing and sales. So I'm very passionate about educating people. Um, and so that's hopefully what we'll aim to do today is educate um, you listeners about um, some things that you may not already know. Um, so I am uh, motivated at Next Generation to provide that education um, for individuals that are looking to learn more about investing their IRA dollars into some creative um, creative and different types of assets that they may not have known they could. Uh, and then my, I have a team here that also helps those investors get started. So uh, we're kind of walking them through the process of creating those accounts, uh, identifying what investments might work for them. And really what we want to do is uh, just set people up to be successful and um, you know, build their financial wealth for the future, either for themselves or um, for their heirs and leave a legacy behind. So that's what, what, that's what I'm all about today. <laughs> yeah, I, I like that legacy wealth. That is a, that's a big one. That's one of my favorite terms, actually. Um, so for those who are thinking, you know, what's next generation, what is IRA, like just kind of basic, you know, what is an IRA, what is a self-directed IRA, just kind of give us an overview of what these terms are and, and why is it important, you know, frankly. Sure. Okay. So most people might be familiar with 
IRAs in general. Uh, when we talk about saving money for retirement, um, if anybody has uh, money in a, like a 401k um, that they have with an employer that they might be saving in, um, IRAs are just individual retirement accounts that allow uh, individuals to, to save money for retirement, to invest those dollars um, however they see fit. And then, of course, the idea behind that being that rather than just investing with their personal funds in their checking or savings, they're investing in an account that provides tax advantages. So as long as they're saving that money in the IRA over a long period of time, that ideally the value of that account is going to grow. But as it's growing and they're not touching it, they're not responsible for paying taxes. Um, so generally, that's the concept of having an IRA. Um, next generation is a what we call a custodian and administrator for IRAs, specifically self-directed, and we can get into that in a minute. Um, but what I mean by a custodian is almost like um, almost like safekeeping the IRA for the individual account holder and investor. So the custodian is responsible for actually holding that account. Um, so somebody actually has to kind of hold it and guard it, if you will. Um, since we're talking about accounts with tax advantages, they can't be held directly by the individual, otherwise they would be taxed. So um, for most people, when they think of IRAs, they think of having them with companies like Fidelity or um, Schwab or Morgan Stanley, for example. And those are also custodians. Um, those are some of the larger ones. Um, they're, we're all responsible for doing tax reporting on those accounts. So uh, providing those tax forms that you get in the mail when you have to file every year. They're coming out right around this time, actually. Um, and then also uh, making sure that um, all of the documentation and the record keeping on what's happening with those accounts is very clear. And a lot of that gets reported to the IRS so that the individual holding their IRAs can continue to benefit from those tax advantages. Um, so we are a little bit different though from a Fidelity or a Schwab because um, self-directed IRAs uh, have to be held by a self-directed IRA custodian, which is kind of like a specialty, so it's a specific area of focus. Um, and the larger firms like Fidelity and Schwab, for example, uh, do not typically hold those accounts or the, the specific investments that fit into them, which leads us into what actually is a self-directed IRA and then what actually makes that different. So a self-directed IRA is structured and it works very, very similarly to a regular IRA as I had explained before, but what makes it unique and different is what you can actually invest in with your account. I think that most people are under the impression that if they have an IRA, they can only invest in stocks, bonds, and mutual funds, or anything that's traded on the stock market. And that is generally true, but what a lot of people do not know uh, is that they can also invest in things that are not publicly traded, um, which opens up a whole different category of options. Um, and when we talk about things that are not publicly traded, we talk about um, what we call alternative assets. That's the term for for things that are privately held but can still be um, invested in or purchased with a retirement account. So things like real estate, uh, that really is the biggest, the biggest category or the biggest asset class that 
private equity as well. Uh, so investing in any sort of private company or even a partnership or a joint venture, an LLC, um, that, is, that would be considered private equity, private stock as well. Um, lending is another big one that can either fall into the real estate sphere or can just be general private lending for any purpose. Um, so IRAs can actually lend uh, money out to individuals and companies as well, um, or purchase notes and then sort of act as a bank um, collecting on that note. And then there are some um, some other unique categories that fall into that space that I think are more up and coming. So right now, obviously, cryptocurrency is um, it's all over the map right now, but there are a lot of people paying attention to it and curious to see what's going to happen. Uh, and then social investing, impact investing as well. So investing in social causes, usually through funds um, or private companies, but for a means that people feel very passionately about. So that's another one that's that's seeing a lot of traction and that we're, we're very interested in as of late as well. So the biggest difference, again, is really with a self-directed IRA, what you can invest in, you open up your options beyond publicly traded things you get to choose exactly what you want to invest in. So you don't have to have someone um, giving you sort of a menu of options to pick from. You, you really choose for yourself um, what property you want to buy, for example, who you want to lend to, for example, or how. Um, there are some restrictions, but there is a lot more um, creative flexibility with this kind of route. And then, of course, um, the other big benefit that you're getting with it, doing it through an IRA is that tax advantage again. Um, so everything that you earn in that account remains tax sheltered as long as it goes back into your self-directed IRA, for example. Uh, and then lastly, the, um, the hedge against stock market volatility. So if the market's up and down and you have all your eggs in that basket, um, you might lose some sleep at night because you know your hard-earned dollars might be fluctuating and you might be you know, seeing the peaks and valleys, and it can be unsettling. Um, so sometimes people also look at using a self-directed IRA as another way to further diversify um, their portfolio and then have some of their investments in non-publicly traded assets that tend to be more stable over time. Um, so that's really, those are really the big differences um, and how kind of the, the concept works and why having a custodian, of course, is also Oh, wow. Thank you so much for that. I think that's super helpful. Lays a solid foundation for us to kind of you know, build upon. So if I'm a, you know, typical W2, you know, worker right now, I've got a job, I'm thinking of investing in real estate, um, but I don't really know how to really utilize my 401k or IRAC. I mean, how would that work if I'm still at my current job or can that even work? Yeah, good question. So, um, so if you're still at your current job and you have a 401k, you would need to determine if your employer will allow you to roll over those funds out of your 401k with them into a self-directed IRA that you would then hold your, well, that you then would be associated with you and then would be held by a, a separate custodian. Um, most of the time, nine times out of 10, if you've separated service from a company uh, and it's, it's considered an inactive or an old 401k, then you definitely are able to roll those funds over uh, into an IRA because once you leave a company, typically not being actively managed, 
uh, you're not contributing to it anymore. So you have a lot more flexibility in terms of what you can do with it. I think a lot of people um, tend to forget sometimes when they leave a company that they have a 401k that's just sort of sitting there because there isn't someone to say, hey, what do you want to do with all this money? <laughs> so people have to sort of go back and remember, oh, I have that account just sitting there. Um, and you can leave it there, but it won't really do anything or it won't it won't do enough to really maximize its potential if you don't start taking ownership of it and sort of actively moving it in. So um, so that's the option with um, 401ks in terms of rolling them out of a 401k and into an IRA to get started using those funds. And then the other option for funding an account is um, whether or not you are a W-2 employee. Um, if you already have an IRA somewhere else, like with Fidelity, for example, or, or uh, Vanguard, um, or any of the other institutions, and they won't hold real estate, for example, they won't hold these other types of alternatives, um, you can request to have those funds transferred out of that IRA and transferred into the self-directed IRA. Uh, and that would not trigger any penalties or anything like that because you're basically just moving the funds out of one tax advantage account into another tax advantage account. So that's something that uh, both of those options are, um, are feasible in terms of getting money that, that investors might have um, elsewhere into an IRA. And of course, if you are self-employed, um, you may not have a 401k, but there are other types of IRAs that can be self-directed that allow you to put in more money out of pocket so you can start to grow that organically yourself uh, through your the money that you're making from your business. And then that would also give you the ability to start investing those dollars and get those tax advantages as well. That's really interesting what you said. So even if you're still working in a company, you can still maybe move that money into, you know, basically another tax you know, advantageous account, like, a, you know, with a custodian like yourself. Um, my question, you know, on the back of that is, your subsequent contributions, right, from your W-2 job. So would that now come to the new custodian, like like yourself, like, you know, your company, or do, do they still send that to the previous account? How does that work? If, if you kind of request to, to move that into a self-directed, you know, fund, what happens to your subsequent um, payroll deductions, essentially? Yeah, that's a great question. So I should mention that more often than not, unfortunately, if you are still employed, but the company that sponsors your 401k, most of the time they won't allow you to roll over. Um, but I always do tell individuals that it's worthwhile asking because there are certain companies that allow what they call in-service rollovers or in-service distributions. Um, so if you ask and they say yes, you can. Um, likely, though, if you want to continue to contribute to that 401k, that would be completely separate from contributions to your IRA. So you could potentially contribute to that, continue contributing to that 401k. And then also, if you wanted to directly make contributions to your IRA, you would just do that separately through your IRA custodian. So, and then it would probably be a good idea to speak with a CPA or tax professional um, just to determine if you're making contributions to both, if you're contributing to the 401k and then also to the IRA. Um, how many deductions or how much can you deduct of those contributions and kind of how would that affect you? 
but it's best to have those conversations with a tax advisor because everyone's situation is so unique and different um, that I couldn't answer that with a blanket statement that would apply to everybody. Uh, but it's just something to keep in mind. All right. So kind of on the flip side, then, if, you know, a W-2 employee, they've actually, you know, stopped working at a firm or an employer, and then they want to, you know, move those funds to a custodian like yourself, what is that process? What does that look like? How long does it take? What, you know, is it very complicated? Just kind of give us an idea. Sure. So the process, um, it's pretty straightforward, but it can take several weeks. And I'm glad you asked because I think a lot of people um, kind of have this perception that setting up a self-directed IRA and making an investment is just like I would do it with my other IRA at Fidelity where, you know, it might be set up and funded in a day and then they can, you know, you can click a button and you can start trading, right? Um, or you can call in your advisor and make a trade in real time. Um, because self-directed IRAs are dealing with alternative assets that are not publicly traded, they're not valued on an open market from you know, minute to minute. Um, the process is different for getting everything set up, reviewed, the transaction complete. So it starts with, of course, op opening an account, which is just creating an IRA um, for yourself. And if you already have one at Fidelity, you can have a, a self-directed IRA as your second. You can have as many IRAs as you'd like. So you're not limited to the number of accounts that you have overall, but you would open an account by just completing an application. So that's relatively straightforward. Of course, it can be done electronically and that takes a day or two. Um, the second piece of the process uh, that timeline can really vary because the second piece is the funding piece, which we had briefly just covered. Uh, so it could be either that you're rolling over from your old 401k plan or your old employer plan. It could be that you're transferring from an existing IRA, um, or it could be that you're making a contribution. So um, I'll start with the easiest <laughs> method. If you're making a contribution, then uh, it's a lot simpler because you already have the funds in your possession. And now you're simply going to either write a check and send it, you know, deposit that into your IRA or have those funds wired out of your bank account. So because you already have the funds in your possession, it's a lot easier. Um, that could just take maybe a couple days, if anything. Uh, rolling over and transferring is what tends to take a bit more time because uh, when your funds are held with another institution, um, you have to follow their processes. And of course, there are security checks in place. Um, as we all understand why that is uh, today, but there are security processes that you have to go through as the account holder to authorize those funds to leave the account and go into the new one. Uh, so each custodian like Fidelity or Schwab will have a different process for that. And they'll have probably some paperwork that needs to be completed for the account holder to authorize it. So, um, that can take anywhere from a couple days to sometimes a couple weeks to get funds moved out. Uh, if there are issues, if there are delays in processing due to paperwork issues, that sort of thing, that could contribute to it taking a couple weeks. Um, usually, um, the more involved the account holder can be in getting the paperwork completed relatively quickly and doing it diligently the easier it's going to be um, because the other custodian is going to want to speak with the account holder in order to, to let go of the funds. And then of course they have their own processing time. So if they take, if 
they can get it processed in a day, that's great. If they take three to four days to process it, then they could be waiting on it a little longer. So it's usually advantageous to try to think proactively about making an investment with a self-directed IRA because of these timeframes. You want to try to have in mind, okay, I think I might want to be doing something, you know, in a month or two. And let me get started now, at least getting the account set up and the funds prepped to move over so that when my investment becomes time to make my investment, I'm ahead of the game. So making the investment itself um, is the third step in the process, um, which can be done. It can be started as soon as the account's open. The funds don't have to be necessarily in there yet for the investment process to start. So that's actually a good thing. So while we're waiting for the funds, the investment paperwork can be filled out. Um, that includes sort of a direction of investment from the account holder, the investor, to say, um, for example, I want to buy this property at 123 Main Street for X thousand dollars. Here's the closing date. Here's uh, contact information from my agent. Um, and then anything else that we might need to know. And here's how you know, I want the funds to be sent out um, into escrow. Um, all those instructions are basically part of the whole self-directing your account. And then your custodian is responsible for executing that and following those directions for you. Um, obviously taking the funds out of the IRA and then moving them over to make the investment. So with that also comes some supporting documentation that the custodian will review for compliance, um, compliance with IRS regulations. So the IRS allows these things, but the IRS also does have certain rules and restrictions to be aware of when it comes to kind of who you can invest with and how the funds move around and some, some things related to the structure of the investment. So we can get into that at some point if you think it would be helpful, or I can just uh, simplify it to say that the IRS has set forth some rules and regulations that have to be complied with for each IRA, and the custodian will look at that documentation to make sure that that is happening. So they want it, the custodian wants to make sure that the IRA is labeled appropriately on the document. So if you're using a self-directed IRA to buy a property, for example, then your IRA will be on the title to that property, not your personal name, right? So um, things like that, and same thing on the contract. Um, the IRA should be listed on the contract. Um, and just making sure that the um, IRA isn't purchasing property from an individual that the IRS considers disqualified from being part of the purchase. So that process takes a few days for the custodian to do that compliance review on everything before they go ahead and process the transaction. So very detailed. <laughs> Throwing out explanation, but um, in short, I would say looking um, maybe four to six weeks out in general before trying to make something, make an investment happen would be ideal because, of course, some of the timeline that we talk about uh, involves factors out of our control, um, such as the other institutions sending out funds. And then we also don't want to. We want to be respectful of investors' plans and deadlines, and we don't want to create unnecessary stress for anybody to be put up against a deadline that now they can't meet because they're using their IRA and it's taking longer than they thought. 
So we try to manage expectations as best we can with that process. Wow. Yeah, no, a lot of um, little tips there. Really appreciate that. You also mentioned that you're really big on marketing. Um, you know, so just a bonus real quick question, you know, what is your number one marketing tip or act that has really worked for you in the past? I'm just, this is more of a, you know, um, should I call it like just a personal question, right? <laughs> just sure. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny because I think a lot of people, when we talk about marketing today, there's so many fancy tools and, um, you know, there's so many buzzwords and that sort of thing. But what I always kept with me all the years that never gets old is listen to your audience um like in order to market effectively you really have to be a good listener and you have to be really tuned into what your buyers the clues that they're giving you um you know and that's in any industry it doesn't matter if you're in financial services if you're in real estate if you're selling you know pens <laughs> whatever it is right um really listen it's i think sometimes people are always thinking about um what they need to say next how they need to solve this problem or how they have to answer this question and rather than approaching with a sort of curiosity and openness to understand um and that's something that i don't think anyone ever fully achieves right because um i think what our customers and our audience is needing and wanting also changes over time. So we always have to have that listening out there to be able to adapt and change with that. So I think that if you really listen, it will you will get the answers that you need to be able to market effectively and to speak to people on the way that they need to be. Wow. Hopefully that makes sense. <laughs> no, I love it. No, I, I I mean, basic, very simple, you know, philosophy that can go along with. So I really appreciate that. I mean, I can keep going on and on, but we're definitely, definitely dwelling into the quick round. These are going to be quick questions, quick answers. You ready? Sure. sure. All right. Before we go into the quick rounds, I just want to remind our listeners, please do not forget to give us a rating and review. If you're listening to this on YouTube, hit the subscribe button, hit the bell. If you're listening to this on iTunes, please go on the Apple iTunes store and give us a rating and review. Um, So Brittany, let's go. First question. What makes you unique? What is that differentiating factor that separates you from the next guy or the next girl? Or you could use next generation, whatever you prefer. Sure. Um, we can use next generation. Um, so next generation, uh, what makes us unique is personal touch. So anytime someone calls for help, a live person is picking up their no voice prompt or anything like that. Um, all inquiries are answered within a different day. So in a world that's very technology oriented, we're still very personal and, and customized. I like that. I like that. Second question. What was the last book that you read? What was the one thing that you picked out from that book? Actually, if I can say it's a book that I'm still reading, if I can use, if I can use that one. Um, it's by Stephen Covey, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. Um, one of the things that I really, well, one of the things I'm reading now that I actually just talked about was First, seek to understand, then seek to be understood. Um, that's one of the things that I love in the book. And even though I talk about that being my philosophy, of course, something that I continue to work on. Um, 
only human. I'm not always great at it either, yeah. but good tip for sure. Yeah, definitely, definitely agree. Yeah, that's a great book. I I love when he talked about the the golden, um, the ghost laying the golden eggs. I don't know. Oh if, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I just, yeah, I love that book so much. It's just a classic. Final question. Obviously, you're busy. You're you're obviously working. You're your mom. You know, you've got all this stuff going on. What do you do for fun? <laughs> I actually meditate. Um. Um, I, I mean, I don't know if I consider it a but it's more of like a, you know, for my, it's time for myself and for my health. Um, and I like to play piano. So um, I do that when I can keep my kid still enough to uh, <laughs> let me focus for a few minutes. It gives me a good release. I can, I can relate. I, I, I meditate almost every day. So I can. Awesome. Yeah. Um, if I can for a second, there's an app. I don't know if you know this one, 10 percent happier. Are you familiar with that app? No, no I haven't heard yeah. of that. Oh, really? 10 percent happier. Okay. Yeah. They have a podcast as well, too. I'm, I'm not trying to plug anything else, but they, um, but the app basically, uh, brings you through guided meditation and they have like daily ones for beginners or for people already, you know, levels of experience. Um, it is a paid subscription, but it's very good. <laughs> How dare them with the freemium generation, right? <laughs> I know, right? I know. It took me a while to commit myself to actually paying for it, but there are a few things that are worth it. Of course, of course. I, I watched a, it's kind of like a documentary on Netflix. Um, it's called Edspace, I think. Meditation Edspace. Oh, yeah. 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 Edspace is like an app, you know, but they now have a show on Netflix. It's, I mean, I love meditation. Yeah. It's just amazing, remarkable stuff. So I didn't know they were on Netflix. So I'll have to check that out. You have to check that out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We've plugged like two things, you know, so yeah, why not? <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> That's our bonus, yeah, for the listeners <laughs> today. Um, so if there's somebody listening and thinking, wow, I do have some money on the side and I want to, you know, roll it over, how can people reach out to you, Brittany, and kind of get to know you more? Um, the best way is to go to the website, I would say, uh, nextgenerationtrust.com. So from there, you can kind of go through a ton of educational material. Um, for real estate investors and, and investors, you know, with any any interest, um, and there's, there's a lot of educational resources there to start and kind of walk through the process. And then, um, if someone feels we'd like to have a conversation, then you know, all of our contacts, you know, fill out forms, web chat. Um, so, however people like to communicate, uh, the website is. Thank you so much, Brittany. Really appreciate your time today. Um, thank you, thank you, thank you. Awesome. Thank you for having me. Hope it was helpful. You may have heard the phrase, there are a thousand ways to make a thousand dollars in real estate. Well, now you can actually tune into the world's longest running daily real estate investing podcast with over a thousand, believe it, or a thousand podcasts and still going. The best real estate investing advice ever show is hosted by a very good friend of mine, Joe Fellers. Joe talks to influential thought leaders. We share the best advice ever with none of the fluff. You've got to check this stuff out. So listen and subscribe at bestevershow.com. That's bestevershow.com.